You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. again and welcome back to girls guts and giallo we're here with another bonus episode featuring who is essentially my bonus episode co-host at this point sarah fonseca hi sarah hi annie it's nice to be back yes and we're talking about a very triggering lesbian film today (laughs) (laughs) called duke of burgundy this was a very popular this is probably the one that i've had requested the most to cover oh, wow. yes so the girls might be upset that it's a bonus episode and not a main episode but you'll just have to subscribe to the patreon if you're hearing this teaser and uh join us over there for more sexy talk about insects and ladies who love insects so a lot to say about all of these things and speaking of which the title originates from a species of moth i believe right oh i didn't know that yeah i believe so i don't know why i wasn't curious about the title i just like went with it i don't know there's I didn't so much even... going on in this film yeah. the least consequential yeah i didn't even look, like bother to look it up that's yeah. so funny i was just like yeah duke of burgundy but what does that mean so before we get into it 
Um, Sarah, will you read the log line, your original log line for this film? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I guess I am such a fangirl of this movie in different ways, even though it is triggering as fuck, or at least was this time around. <laughs> But yeah, so Duke of Burgundy is set in a 70s, like 1970s inspired English world. And men, masculinity, and the traditions of capitalism, like buying things, don't exist there. So all of those things compounded kind of builds this visual world that's very similar to Victoria's Secret during its origin days when it was very Bond Street London. So, and... In this village where men and money don't exist, you have the entomologist Evelyn and her understudy Cynthia living in one of the small houses together, enacting this sort of well-established kink relationship that's just as beautiful as like the rest of the movie for the most part, at least visually. And they're doing this while they're also conducting field research and giving lectures on mouth species that are replete with talk of human toilets, human cages, and boot blacking. So very decadent. Yes. And world space. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the only representations of a 24-7 kink relationship in film that I can think of off the top of my head. So very um important film for kinky lesbians yeah but also oddly unsung but i guess that's true for even the more mainstream ones that are underground ones that were directed by lesbians like you have michelle handelman's blood sisters that you and i reviewed that's still relatively unknown so it's almost like a taboo within a taboo if you can Mm -hmm. find women (laughs) represented in these but yeah should i continue with the summary yes go on yeah so so as the days go by in this isolated world these layers of seemingly loving and filthy relationship kind of begin to unfurl and it really exposes the romantic tensions at the core of their domestic bliss and I think when Annie says triggering, that's probably <laughs> <laughs> what he's getting at. And so this movie stars Sissy Babbitt Nudson as Cynthia, who is the bottom. Um, so Cynthia is the top. Oh, the top. The top. Yes. The top. Okay. And Chiara Deanna as Evelyn, who is the petite sub, right? Yes. I think I have right. Okay, cool. And it's written and directed by Peter Strickland. So yes, this is all called from a dude's imagination. And this premiered in 2014. Yeah. And when you were talking about uh, like a subculture within a, or taboo within a taboo, um, I guess I was just thinking about like the reverberations of the sex wars and how we never really got out of that, how uh, kinky dyke relationships are still a taboo subject in film. And, you know, I'm thinking about how Peter Strickland is very influenced by um, Jess Franco and how that legacy of female on female sexual violent eroticism kind of on film kind of originated 
with Euro exploitation. And I think that that gets associated with actual real life kinky mm-hmm. lesbianism. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that that's a, an influence. I mean, obviously, yeah. it, how could it not be? It, it's making me think of something I also recently encountered about um, John Schlesinger's Midnight Cowboy. And so you have this movie that's directed did, directed by a closeted gay man who is making it at like the start, like right before Stonewall <laughs> and right before like women's live really intensified. So it kind of got this bizarre hall pass because it was a good work of art. But at the same time, I think those, those sort of unaddressed issues we have around like gender and sex and the nature of the nuclear family even like i i think we haven't really addressed them and sometimes we reach like these really highly sensitive points like we're in right now where me too has kind of dug up all of these old wounds that feminist and lesbian feminists have been writing about for years so those old like ideas that even feminists don't necessarily ascribe to anymore get kind of recontextualized mm. in the culture we're in so I, I think that all kind of trickles into like what happens in film culture and what what talking points get brought up in policy and and like everything so if you are like a person who's genuinely into sexy movies and if you happen to be a woman <laughs> it can be like a really grim time so i'm very fortunate i I feel very lucky that this movie premiered when it did how it did oh it couldn't i feel like it couldn't now yeah i when we started kind of researching this i I kept thinking about the response specifically from gender critical individuals to bruce labrus's the misandrist Mm -hmm. in 2017 which it was like a I guess I compare it to this one because it was fairly sexually irreverent, perhaps more explicit, but also very hyper feminine and tasteful and also ingrained, you know, it understands its history and its role, just like the Duke of Burgundy understands its relationship to Franco. Like the misandrist is a um, riff on the beguiled set at a women's boarding school. Right. (laughs) Germany. Um, So, all, all this to say the vitriol directed at the misandrist was so intense, despite it being like a really remarkable queer film by a queer di- director. Whereas the, the response to the Duke of Burgundy was pretty universally positive. And I, I just can't help thinking that's, you know, a, a, a case study in how our culture is sort of shifting post me too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, so you think that it would have been the opposite had it come out, had they both come out now? No, had the, if they both came out now, I honestly feel like they'd both be slapped on the wrist pretty sternly by a certain vocal minority. Right. Who <laughs> do not appreciate sex scenes in movies, despite them comprising like 2% of all the movies created, do not 
like to see sadomasochism or potential teasings of sex work, do not like communist images. You know, the list goes on and on of reasons why people could call this movie reprehensible today. And the sex, of course, as well, like from like a lot of different angles, both homophobic and like not. (laughs) Right. So like you said, Peter Strickland wrote and directed this film, who's uh, for all intents and purposes, he's a straight, he's straight. Do we know that? I I was trying to figure that out and Me I can't too. find anything clear online, but I will say he he's he's touched. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's on his film, like you he know, kind of weird. reads as queer yeah. to me. Yeah. Like in interviews. Like for example, um, this quote here. I would hope the audience would see something of their own life in the film. It's quite a melancholy film, but it's also quite tender. It's not about sadomasochistic behavior. It's about how couples react to any kind of different need. If you're not into sadomasochism, you must think that the film is not for you, that it's just niche or ridiculous. But then you come at the end and you realize that maybe it is about you. Anything you do in private is ridiculous, which I feel like is a very queer thing to say. <laughs> it, it felt like a fassbender quote to right. me when I read it. It's just like the way he kind of tried to he, he like disengaged from those very pointed titillating questions about sexual content and homosexuality in his movies that little very eloquent dance is almost what i see strickland doing here but but he's right and i think it's really cool how he refuses to play into that because he might get a read that the reporter or whomever he's speaking with just wants like the salacious details and he denies them that and instead like gives a pretty like universal but also complex explanation of the movie absolutely and it's the proper way to go about it when you're a man making something like this um you know it's not like the it's so interesting because like these films and this is in this tradition of of course I can't help thinking of the influences on him which are Jess Franco and Jean Roland and all these men are sort of um yeah yeah accused in feminist literature of like uh fetishizing lesbian sexuality and when they discuss their work it's actually like this like it's about tenderness and um you know it's not it's not really about that for them when they when they discuss it so it's yeah i mean go ahead oh i i i think i have this idea that lesbian spectators tend to be convinced that if a male is helming a film in any significant way that it kind of um what what was the word there was a word i wanted to use to describe this but he 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 uses basically the lesbian as an allegory so the word tenderness i think if they see a man expressing tenderness then through two lesbian characters that it can't be real when right. in reality that feeling does not have a sex or gender right <laughs> and i think that's one of the reasons i i don't enjoy um a lot of of the feminist kind of criticisms of these genres of films just because it it, 
it kind of gets on the defensive about something that's really innate to be in human rather than a lesbian or a gay man. Of course, it looks different from place to place, but, and then there's, uh, I don't know. So, so I kind of, yeah, a lot of that stuff tends to irk me. So that's why a response like, um, Strickland's is really refreshing. Yeah, and if I'm gonna like bring it to my most brash place, I'm like, yeah, men make movies about lesbians because they don't want to look at men either. <laughs> like, I also don't want to look at men, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I sort yeah, of get I, it. I it's it's just really unhealthy to be a lesbian viewer and get trapped in this cycle of watching a movie but being convinced that you're watching it through through a man's eyes right when you are clearly autonomous and sitting on your futon or lounging on your chest and and allowing yourself to ideally try to objectify these characters too that's kind of the purpose of film in so many ways <laughs> yeah so what would you the male gaze is a term that gets like thrown around so much these days and I guess my question for you would be, is the male gaze like present in this film or films like this? And is that, you know, I you, I know you and I have feelings about if that's a quote unquote bad thing or not. So I wanted you to elaborate on that and your kind of what you think about the male gaze in regards to the Duke of Burgundy. Uh. That's funny. Well, I'd rather think of Strickland's gaze. I know, right? Yes. And if we want to say Strickland is a man, straight or not, so be it. But like, so many of his choices are are very much hyper-stylized ones. And so if you aren't comfortable with experiencing strong emotional tension as an undercurrent under all of this opulence and and beauty, if you can't kind of mitigate that, if you need something that's emotionally ugly to match its surroundings, then you're not going to receive that. I I don't think Strickland's so heavy handed that he would like literalize everything that way. But, but so I guess if I did take a critical feminist stance, I would say, yeah, I I do wonder whether some of the opportunities for intimacy through touch with the characters or things of that nature were lost Mm. to his like very rigid conventions. But at the same time, he's also leaning into these older movies which don't necessarily often afford those you know right but his version certainly has more of that than than the inspiration so he is actually taking it to another level um so richard brody of the new yorker uh didn't care for this film And he said, portentous images of insects, both living and preserved, are as heavy handed as the erotic psychology is flimsy. The movie is as sexy as a chess game and as insightful as a catalog. One line of dialogue enters the anthology of Howlers. Had I ordered a human toilet, none of this would have happened. (laughs) And 
He's such a school mom. I know. I hate this. I like. He does like tend to do like a lot of wrist slapping of female spectators' choices based on what he feels like male feminists should be doing. So he's trying to like set an example for men, but I feel like a lot of women actually read his work and say, well, if this is, if Brody says this sexy thing is, isn't actually sexy, then it can't be, you know. (laughs) Right. I don't agree that the insect imagery is heavy handed. I think that the films that he is inspired by are famous for their heavy-handed symbolism (laughs) and that is what he is playing with um this is really i i feel that anyone can appreciate and enjoy this film i know that you yourself are not um super familiar with uh the inspiration behind this Mm -hmm. film that kind of genre so anyone Mm -hmm. obviously can love and enjoy this but I do wonder what the viewing experience is like not knowing about the films that inspired it because it is so much reliant on those tropes um, and imagery. Well, do you remember your first time seeing this? Did Were you familiar with the, the source text, if you will, when you went to see this in like 2014? Yeah, so I'm very familiar with um, Jean Roland and Jess Franco, which I could immediately see were inspirations for the film. But um, you have a clip here um, from the National Post that says that in that five films that influenced the Duke of Burgundy. So they're the bitter tears of Petra von Kant by, uh, of course, Fassbender, uh, which if you have not seen that movie, it's a, obviously a huge inspiration for this. It's um, Fassbender's kind of, it's like an autobiographical film, but he casts himself in the role of this woman, Petra von Kant, um, who's um, a lesbian and she has a, live-in partner who's basically like in 24-7 service to her and uh, she's also have have developing feelings for another woman and basically it's this very like sad love triangle that unfolds in this apartment throughout the course of the film and then uh, Belle du Jour by Bunuel do you want to know something interesting about uh, Bitter Tears? Yes. Is, is that, um, I know we, we are not sure if Strickland's queer or not, but there is a Paraguayan gay director named Marcello Martinesi. And in 2018, he directed this really fantastic movie called The Heiresses about two aging lesbians living in kind of a very comfortable above comfortable life in a major city there and then one of them is busted for her side hustle and Mm -hmm. goes to prison so the other is forced to figure out what to do with the house and all of the nice things that that occupy it and she gradually begins auctioning them off and her heart also begins to wander as she's awaiting her partner's return and there's actually a masturbation scene 
in it featuring one of these older women who are in their 60s. And oh, I, I need to never, watch those. Yes, and I've never seen like I know we talk about this with Ryan Murphy a lot, but but one of the things like I I do feel inclined to um defend with regards to the male gaze is like this this sort of faggy appreciation of older women. Yes. And I think that originates in opera culture, perhaps, or, or like these like traditions of art where as you age into your femininity, your talent, you know, only increases. And there's something about that the gay men love. But but anyway, that just as an aside, that movie exists in The Heiresses by Marcello Martinassi. Ooh, so that's obvious. Yeah, the, I mean, The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, a movie directed by a gay man um, in which he casts himself in the role of a gay woman um god i wish i had more (laughs) like eloquent things to say about that but uh i feel that same kind of gender transversal in this film as well like Mm -hmm. using you know and of course i could get into all kinds of ways that that could be problematic men using women to can we talk about one way that it's actually good is that you finally see hyper feminine characters with like forward aggressive erotic yes exactly that's kind of what i was getting at like it's that you know that the way that these women have relationships is not it's is familiar to me 